I'm going to go all Marie Kondo on you. Ooh, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if that five-gallon bucket from Home Depot Home doesn't Depot spark bucket. joy, uh-huh. get it out. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of... Coaches on gouges. Bing slouches. We're uh, we're missing a hound. We are. This could get bad. <laughs> so, so if you hear uh, a dog losing their mind in the background, Stitch Stitch is not with us. Somebody came to the door. Who knows? I don't even know where she's at. We'll be hearing her snorting here in no time. I think. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about free speed, right? Free speed. You gotta love that. Yeah, we're talking about the keys to fast, I mean, ninja fast transitions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BPC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that has been developed over the last decade through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking out Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete, or all of on that Instagram at BPC Performance, just to make it a little confusing and not have it the same on all of those. All right. Got to make people work a there little bit. There we go. Make it work a little bit. One other little quick note. Um, for anybody uh, locally in the Mid-South area who has a, a child who runs, uh, third through eighth grade, we're having our uh, yearly, our first of two yearly uh, distance running camps through our partnership with memphis youth athletics Mm -hmm. the first one's june 25th through the 28th that's four days 8 to 11 a.m you can check out more on our website buildpeakcompete.com and uh yeah get them signed up it's always a blast you know we said all ages and ability levels right yeah these this is some of the younger the younger of the groups the third through eighth grade always uh, fun teaching them teaching them proper mechanics and Mm -hmm. and some race skills. So, all right, before we get to it, shout outs. Shout outs. I mean, we really can't ignore this one. If you're an endurance fan. If you're a cycling fan. Cycling especially. Yeah. Yes. Am still gold. Am still gold. Looked like the race was over. Looked Done like and dusted. Looked like the uh, you know, whatever however long it is, 11 Eleven k worth of climbing. It's like six and a half hours. Eleven k of climbing. By eleven k, he means eleven thousand feet, feet. Yeah, of sorry. climbing. Um, Mostly on tiny little like they look narrow. like golf cart paths. Yeah, narrow, narrow tiny roads. Little roads. Uh, and Teo Vanderpool, man. Mm-hmm. MVDP <laughs> just decides he doesn't want to be in the group anymore, and uh, takes the reins and drives the entire. Well, mo- whoever could hang on. Yep drives about eight of the strongest people in the pro peloton uh-huh. to the line catches closing a 55 second gap closes a 55 second in like gap 6K. in 6k less than 6k nuts catches them right inside a k and then somehow has the juice to uncork like a thousand watt 20 second effort 
Yeah, has, have we seen the data? I saw his data, yeah. Really? Yeah, 1,000 oh. watt, 1,050 watts for 20 seconds. That was what, 164 end. mile race, I think? Yeah. That's it's nuts. ridiculous. That's so, nuts. Yeah, you King know Vanderpool. You know it's beast mode when you've driven the front, and if you've ever been like on a group ride or in a race before, you know how much extra energy oh, yeah. you're putting out. But to do that and not have anyone be able to come around you, in fact, everyone just kind of sprinted and stayed in their same position, really. Yeah. Like, and some people, when he started sprinting, just went backwards. He drove it up, closed the gap, and mm-hmm. then got out of the saddle mm-hmm. and went wide, but nobody mm-hmm. even thought to jump and on his wheel. And he went where he left left side open, where that was the downwind side. So yeah. he left it open for someone to come up his draft. I mean, he's just beast mode. Couldn't do it, man. Anyways. Strong. What other shout-outs you got? Any shout-outs? Uh, we're going to do shout-outs to all our people racing this uh, weekend. Big Frog over in Chattanooga. Good a luck. really, a really uh, tough day of racing. What, 64 miles, I believe? Right at yeah. 64, 65 miles, 8,500 feet of climbing or it's so. It's a lot. Um, we got a few people going over. Most of the, the challenge. Well, all of the people are coming or that are going are from West Tennessee. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's... It's a lot of climbing. In order to get that much climbing here in Memphis, uh, that's a lot of repeats. Be a lot of repeats. It's a lot of repeats. Our longest hill is like 100 feet yeah. <laughs> elevation gain. It's it's not easy to find anything even close to a minute. I mean, there's a few one minute maybe yeah. if, if you, you start if you take it a, slow. Yeah, yes. from a standstill. Yeah. So yeah, it should be. Uh, we'll we're gonna have more shout outs uh, for them once they come yeah. back. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's get, get to let's it. Get to it, man. So. On the topic of fast transitions, mm-hmm. I think I need to make an example of, of why we're even talking about this. You know, uh, multi-sport is an A to B race, right? Clock doesn't stop Does not when you're stop. changing, you know, no. changing legs. They don't, they don't pause the clock for timeouts like no. Uh, basketball. No, they don't. There's no intermission. And the thing I find that's funny is that people will spend thousands of dollars on helmets, wetsuits, uh, bikes, wheels, equipment, uh, coaches, like everything to maybe, you know, that, that'll take off a few seconds here and there. Uh, you know, certain things take, have less advantage than others, mm-hmm. but don't ever practice transitions. Mm-hmm. And it can easily be one to two to three minutes difference yep. uh, yeah. between people. And th- three minutes is, is a podium. Like a, and we're talking more like short course. This isn't like yeah. Iron Man where you're having to put on sunscreen and do all kinds of crazy right. stuff in between. Well, it, you know, there's always, when I think about transition, I, I think about the time you spend at your spot. Because there's always like, every transition area is different. There's always a different distance run from the water. Uh, there's always, it's always different sizes and different layouts. Correct. But uh, what I'm talking about is time, you know, we're, we're trying to maximize the time spent at your spot. Yes. Yes. Uh, or minimize the time spent at your spot. Once you hit the rack. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at the pros, pros are at their in T1. Like, you know, most pros don't, aren't wearing wetsuits, especially draft legal. We're not wearing wetsuits. So they're spending literally like 8 to 11 seconds at their spot at a T1. And then T2, it's like 6 to 8 seconds. And I've watched enough draft legal racing to know like to count it out and Uh this is the average Uh Uh, i mean they're fast efficient they have to be because it means missing you know missing a group or or whatever yeah um so when we do like a transition clinic 
my aim is to get people's time spent at their spot down to 10 seconds in T1 and like under 10 in T2. That's like the big, you know, my, my big goal there. Pain train. Oh, pain train. We got the train coming by. May not be Come able on, to give hear us it. a horn. Give us a I horn. Ah. All right. So I got. I have an example to kind of prove this. Yes. Okay. So I, I've prepared visual. some visuals. So I apologize to people who are listening to the podcast. I'll try to talk it out In as much future. as I can. In the future folks. Uh, yeah. So uh, I have an example here of what not to do. Here, I'll kind of change camera angle here. Uh, this particular um, setup here is not ideal. This is not the worst I've seen, mm. but not ideal. That you look at the here. I'll zoom in on this thing. You'll kind of see the the wide breadth of everything that they've laid out. They're yeah. all over the place. They're actually encroaching on the bike next to them. Um, you know, everything's kind of scattered. There's like a bag still there. Like their their bag that they brought all their stuff in is still in the in the area. Uh, the guy next to him, I assume it's. I'm just gonna assume it's a guy. We'll call it a guy. Uh, we got some gloves in there. Don't know why they're wearing gloves. Uh, you know, it's just stuff is everywhere. So for this example, uh, the folks in this, uh, I, I found their, their T1 and T2 times. And so for these, for these two people, uh, we're talking three minutes out of, in T1, 153 in T2, and that's left to right. So this is, this one is the, the, the one towel. with the green towel. Yeah, and then the one next to them, is 151 and 115. So even just between those two people, you're talking uh, over a minute and a half. Yeah. You know, but just between those two. Yeah. So I'll bring in the third example. So this is, uh, as you can see, much cleaner. Uh, not a whole lot there. Full disclosure: This is my <laughs> this is my, this is my setup. You knew it was going to be easier to find out what your uh, yeah, transition time. This is what you, you know. Yours? In an in an Olympic or sprint race, this is basically what you'll see. You know, not much on the ground, not much in the area. Um, I rarely do uh, shoes on the bike these days, and I'll explain why later. But uh, this, in compa- in comparison to the other two, T one and T two times. 53 seconds and 45 seconds. And again, remembering that's not time spent at the spot. That's time from when you enter transition yeah. to when you exit transition. Yep, enter and exit. You know, when you're usually when you're um, when you're like running to and from like T1 or to, running to T1, that's added to your swim time. Mm-hmm. So if you get, if you're always angry about your swim time, it's probably because there's a run added to that that you're not you know. It's not accounted for in the yeah. distance. Of Sometimes the they'll put yeah. the transition mats out of the water, but mm-hmm. that's kind of a rare thing. Uh, anyway, so 53 and 45. So if you look at the difference in the two, I mean, the difference between myself and the the other two, uh, you're talking two minutes, over two minutes in T1 and over a minute. So that's a three minute, over three minutes faster. Three minutes faster, yeah, just by, just in transition. by being quick. In yeah, transition. and then for the second one, it's a minute and thirty seconds, so a minute and a half uh, on the second one. So that is literally time spent in transition mm-hmm. and not moving. 
uh, and advancing your position. So just think of how much work goes into trying to drop, say, three minutes off your best 20K bike or three minutes off your best 5K or 10K run. Right. I mean, that's. Yeah. That it's would a, be a it's huge a, PR for anyone. It's a massive amount of training that goes into taking minutes off of, mm. you know, unless you're like brand new to the sport. But uh, there's a lot of very experienced athletes out there that have never worked on their transitions. Mm-hmm. So I think I made my point. So let's jump into the keys of these fast transitions. The keys. So this is the num- my number one by far. Uh, I'm going to go all Marie Kondo on you. Ooh, shout out. <laughs> uh, if that five-gallon bucket from Home Depot Home doesn't Depot spark bucket. joy, uh-huh. get it out. <laughs> yeah, for people who don't, you have to you have to Google Marie Kondo uh, if you don't know who she is. But yeah, she's uh, essentially yeah. Only keep things that bring joy and declutter. Yeah, the point there's declutter. Declutter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So having your transition area like totally clean, yeah. uh, as little as possible in it is going to help you tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, when you bring in your transition bag pump, whatever you bring in, when you're done setting up your transition area, take it out. Yep. I know it's maybe another trip back to the car. Use it as your warm up. Get that stuff out of there because one, you're, it's going to be, it's going to take you longer to decide where everything is. Just having to look at all that junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's kind of cur- courtesy because you're not Exactly. Like impeding on, like the, the example, you're not impeding on yep. somebody else's space. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have just tons of junk everywhere. I've had that before where, uh, like, you know, time trial start, you know, you never know who gets out of the water before you come up to your bike and, like, somebody's, like, goggles are hanging from my, my like, crank arm. Like, yeah. So just keep it tight, mm-hmm. you know. Keep it decluttered. Keep that it is clean, the number one thing. Tight. Yep. Uh, the second part of that is organizing your your stuff. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, um, organize it in reverse order. So whatever you're going to put on first, like going to T1, whatever you're going to put on first is the first thing that you come to. So your helmet, like if it's, you know, that's usually the first thing you put on. Or if there's shades, if you have glasses in your helmet, uh, glasses in the helmet, they go on first, then the helmet. Uh, but think through it and put it in order of what you're going to put on and take off. So even go deeper into that. So let's say, you know, we got Memphis and May coming up, sprint, Olympic. You know, what what order do you have it? Number one is you got glasses or no glasses? I don't. I use a shield on my helmet, okay. so it's already on the helmet in place. I don't one mess with thing. flipping the sh- shield. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I already have it in, in the spot. And practice doing that. You know, kind of side note: practice putting that on. That's a huge putting thing. It on quickly. Like I've I've lost tons of time before screwing with a buckle. Yep. You know, but if you practice with it, it's not mm-hmm. not so hard. But so personally, I've kind of got it down to a science now where I put my helmet i don't put the helmet on the bars anymore because i've had my helmet like knocked off off before either by wind or by another racer or whatever so helmet goes on my shoes on top of my bike shoes and i'll explain why my bike shoes are not on my bike later but uh helmet on top of bike shoes helmet goes on first 
and then I'm already bent over, so the the shoes go on second, and then I'm out. Everything else is on the bike. Like, what about socks, though? I don't wear socks. No socks, man. <laughs> no socks. People, no socks. And also something to work on. You know, if you're someone who feels like you have to have socks on, start working. Train without them. Yeah. Into your training, train without them and get used to not. Have, I mean, because yeah. that's, I, I just hate putting on wet, wet socks when I like get out of the shower. Yeah. Let alone trying to rush through it to put it on fast and trying to get your feet all dried off and, you know, messing around with all that. That's, that's 45 seconds right there. Yeah, well, putting on anything wet yeah. is tough. It's a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. Like, putting on wet clothing is like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, practice without it. Just train without it. And then when you get to race day, putting on shoes won't be so tough for you. Like, practice with it. I had somebody today text me. Uh, they had a bunch of blisters on their feet because they were training. Uh, and I immediately asked, well, did you train with them sockless? Uh, and this was a fluke thing, but that's like my first like thing I ask is, well, have you ran in them cyclists before? Yeah. Sometimes shoes take a little time to break in. Oh. Running shoes or cycling shoes. And your feet, yeah, need to get calloused up a little bit in certain rub spots, possibly. And cycling shoes are so stiff that, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to give when you're, there's movement in the shoe. Yeah. So uh, you're going to get, there's more chance if the shoe doesn't fit properly, you're going to get blisters. Yeah. And b- um, now backing things up just a little bit. So if it's a wetsuit legal race, mm-hmm. you're wearing wetsuit. Yeah. So what, like coming out of the T1, you're like half, the wetsuit's like halfway down before you even get into transition. So as you're running to yep. your transition spot, that's yep. when you should be removing, getting yep. halfway done. I go goggles up so that I don't have to carry them and then get the wetsuit off and halfway down, and then I'll pull the goggles off and the hat off, the cap off while I'm running. And then as soon as I get to my spot, it's the rest of the way down, step on one leg, pull the other leg out, step on the other leg, pull the other leg out. And then as quickly and efficiently as you can, get that wetsuit in a spot that's not sitting out in the middle of... Throw it over your biggest competitor's yeah, stuff, correct? Exactly. Good. Yeah, throw it in into their spot. Um, you can actually get penalties for having a cluttered uh, transition area. So try to keep it neat. The The wetsuit is like the slowest part of T1, obviously, mm. if you are if you do have a wetsuit on. So practice taking it off. Yeah. I mean, you have to practice with it. And stepping on it is kind of the huge, huge thing yeah. there. Yeah, step on you the leg. You not have to sit down and be like yes. trying to manhandle the wetsuit. Yes. All right, so wetsuit's off. You got helmet. Yeah, if you got glasses, they go in first. Shoes are on. Helmet, shoes, and then you're out. Everything out else should be on the bike. Mm-hmm. So that's part of organizing your stuff. Like mm-hmm. everything on the bike, nutrition, bottles, everything. Anything else you're going to need for the bike. Um, now, if you're doing long course, like uh, you know Ironman, half Ironman, and you, you're in a uh, situation where you get those bags, you have transition bags, um, organize those bags by what you're going to put on. So put the last thing you're going to put on in the bottom and then build it up from there yep. so that you can put them on an order and you don't have to do what everybody else does. Open your bag and dump it on the ground and start digging through your stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like you, you end up, you know, taking up all this space in the, in the tent and, and you're stressed out. Yeah. And it's way more stressful mm-hmm. than just pulling out. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. And yep. they come out in order. Just think through it a little bit and it's, and it's going to help you get out a lot faster. You know, 
Ironman and half Ironman transitions can, can be three, four, five plus minutes. I mean, if, if you're not good at it uh, or you haven't planned it well, I mean, they can be 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, be a long time. I mean, longer mm-hmm. than that. But um, generally, if you have everything worked and out it's all a, this ultimately matters at the end of the day when you're like now looking through your overall right. results and you didn't think it mattered until you saw the person that beat you by you know you may have jumped 15 spots just by being easily in long course i yeah. mean uh short course you know races are decided by mm-hmm. seconds oh yeah for you sure. know even a couple yeah. of minutes and you lose that in mm-hmm. to you know or age group placing or whatever um, it's easy it's easy to lose it and and not even think about that as time. <clears throat> Sign people. All right. So one thing, the next part, besides getting organized and having everything, you know, putting everything on in order, um, mark your spot. Mark your spot. Shout out to my pops. Yeah. His, uh, his first try he did, he, uh, he did not know where his spot was. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like on the sidelines, over there, over there. So... You know, you can do anything from, like, a lot of people will do chalk. You know, some people, like, they will lay down a colored towel or something that they can recognize. Um, they'll, you know, they'll do something in the mid the middle line of the, like, up the middle way of mm-hmm. the uh, transition area to show what, what aisle they're on. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like, the bigger events, they'll, like, letter or number the aisles. Um, you know, it's just whatever you can do to remember your spot. Like, I don't think you can, like, put up. I mean, I guess I have seen some smaller races. You throw a balloon up in the... I mean, yeah. There we go. Uh, but so Unicorn balloon. You're not going to see too many of those out there. Yeah. Go with the unicorn balloon. And, and my tip here is don't trust your gear mm. to be what sets your spot apart. Yep. Um, last year, coming in off of the bike, I had pushed the bike pretty hard. And I was a little loopy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and came into T2 at a, a race in town and put my bike up, saw my blue shoes on the on the ground, put those blue shoes on, took three steps, and I'm like, these shoes are too big. <laughs> Literally put the wrong Whoopsie. shoes on. And they weren't even the same brand. Like uh, You saw blue. I just saw uh, blue shoes. Oh. And I was just thinking about get out, get out, get out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even, even people have been doing it for years, make mistakes. Uh, <laughs> So in line with this marking uh, your spot, so say, do you have a, a spot, if it's open selection, you get there, you can choose where you put uh, all of your gear. Do you have a certain spot you like to do? Do you like to be closer to where you are running out, closer to where the bike's going out, if there are two different spots? You know, yeah, if it's, what do you... if it's two different spots, um, it doesn't really matter because you're going to run farther with one than the other. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really get bent out of shape being closer to the the bike exit or the run exit okay uh as far as that goes but what i do is i'll go to the side i will make sure that my bike is racked in the direction of the the bike out uh you know if you get a choice um your bike racked toward the bike out and on the side of the transition area where you would come to it uh on the same side that you run on so i always you always rack the back wheel if you're in a wheel rack uh, rack the back wheel. Um, and I will go usually if the bike out, you know, is say South, uh, I'll go on the, you know, coming in, I'll go to the left side because I run on the bike, uh, on the right. So I always run 
on my right side of the bike. Uh, so if you're going to run and mount that on that side, that's, you know, you're going to want to set up opposite so that you can get quickly on the bike and not have to like walk around the bike, get your stuff, walk back or flip the bike around Mm -hmm. and then get out. It's just a seamless, you're there, put the stuff on and then start running with the bike. Um, if you have a choice, I mean, you can get closest to the middle aisle of, you know, or a middle aisle, Mm -hmm. that's obviously a little bit quicker. Um, and not trying, yeah, not trying to go deep into the rack. Right. So closer to the center versus. Yep. I'll sacrifice the bike direction for a few spots on the rack. So like mm-hmm. if the first, like the end cap spots are already taken, yeah. I'll go in one or two spots just so I can rack my bike in the direction that I want to gotcha. rack it. Cause it's always faster, uh, if you can't get the, the end cap, uh, to not have to go running around the bike, put your stuff on or flip the bike around or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, yep. uh, you know, don't worry too much about that, that kind of stuff. Um, so, um, marking your spot big. Yes. It'll save you some embarrassment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like when you go to the airport for a trip and, uh, you forget to like write down where you've parked. Yeah. And now you're exactly going like <laughs> I actually I actually got level. away I got I thought I got away with that whole shoe debacle. I actually won the race, which was uh-huh. I would have been really mad if I oh, had. Yeah. So lost by 5 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So um I thought I got away with it like and then all of a sudden somebody comes up to me after like way after the race and they were like came up real nice and they were like kind of whispered they were like did you put the wrong shoes on? <laughs> Were they like, watching or what? I was like, ah! <laughs> or was it the person whose shoes that they watched? Oh, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was only one that's year ago. That's hilarious. That's funny. <clears throat> All right. Oh. So moving on, um, one of the biggest skills that you can, you can mm. learn for f- quick transitions is the flying mount and dismount. Mm. And, and a lot of people are super intimidated by both. Yep. Um, but it is, I mean, you're talking... If you slow down, have to break, com- come to a complete stop, step over the bike, you know, and then start running, it's a few seconds, easily a few seconds lost. Uh, and then you do that going out and coming in on the bike, you know, that's a, that's another, you know, 10 seconds or so. Like, so learning the flying mountain dismount, uh, is huge. And I can't really go into a ton of detail on it without showing it, but, um, you know, practice it look up you can even look up uh some youtube videos or something on like cyclocross uh mounts and yep. and how to mount a cyclocross bike cuz it's pretty similar um but uh my big tip on the dismount is to make sure that well two things one you bring your rear leg in front or your you bring your you bring your unclipped there we go. The main or the 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 fa- the foot that came over, sorry, the foot ca- off came width. over yeah. the bar, okay, yep. over the top top tube. Now goes in front, and I'll show. I have a little bit of an example here. Bam! So, foot that came over the bike goes in front. That way, you can step straight down and just immediately start running. So uh, I've seen like that's the big difference between like a cyclocross dismount and a triathlon dismount. Cyclocross dismount, a lot of times you're trying to dismount closest to barrier. And so you're trying to pop up as soon as you uh, hit the ground. 
Whereas here, you're just trying to start running a straight line as, you know, as quick as you can. So crossing in front and stepping straight down, you'll immediately start that stride cycle quicker. Um, so that's my tip for the dismount. Uh, I fancy myself a fast they all uh, tends to dismount. have. Uh, if he's not the fastest dismounter, he's usually it's it's a tie. It's a pride thing. It is at this point. Um, my second big tip for dismounting is when you're feathering both brakes both. coming into the dismount line. As soon as you start that step down, let go of them. Let go of the brakes. Take your hands off them. Do not touch the front brake. Whatever you do. No, just take your hands off both brakes. Mm -hmm. Just keep light pressure on the bars with your thumbs because within like two steps, you should transition to the seat anyways. And that's my, my third tip for mounting and dismounting the bike is always run with the bike by the seat. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you that. Yeah, always run with the bike by the seat, and you have to practice that because at first it's a little awkward. But you'll find that you can actually steer the bike pretty well. Yeah, the just, lean just with the just lean with the, the lean bike. in yeah. the seat, and the faster you're running, the the straighter the line that thing's mm -hmm. gonna hold. Mm -hmm. um, but let go of those brakes. I mean, if you ever want some entertainment, like and you're spectating a race. Go to the dismount line. Well, that picture you saw is actually a picture I took uh, because I knew yeah. the good spot to be was to take pictures at the dismount line. Yeah. Uh, that's where the action happens. Yeah. The, the dismount line is usually either entertaining to watch because people are really good at it or mm -hmm. entertaining to watch because it goes horribly wrong. <clears throat> uh, it's like NASCAR. You're just exactly. waiting, for the, waiting for the wrecks to happen. Uh -huh. um, so this, this, this next tip here is what a lot of people tell me when we do transition clinics was they're the biggest difference and it's so simple when you get into t2 you rack your bike right um you should not have shoes on because you've already learned how to do the flying dismount without shoes on uh so now do you take feet out you yep. take feet out right yep. you, for those that didn't see the picture yeah picture so look, dale mentioned he goes no shoes, shoes on when he's leaving transition, we take mounts with shoes already tightened up, but yeah. coming out as you're entering transition, you're, you're taking your feet out of your shoes and placing them just on top of the shoes. Yep. So, um, yeah, I always, always dismount, uh, without shoes on and then run into T2. So rack the bike, helmet off, and then you slip your shoes on and then anything else that's in transition, you grab it and go. It's the old T2 grab and go. Grab and go, man. Like helmet off, bike rack, helmet off, slip your shoes on. If you have hats, nutrition, uh, you glasses, know, glasses your, your number. People think that they have to clip their number on their waist before they leave transition. You don't. There's no rule on that. So grab everything. And I usually keep mine in like one bunch. So like I'll have my hat, like my number, like everything in one bunch so I can just grab it with one hand and start running. And then I'll just start putting my, like dressing myself mm -hmm. uh, while I'm running and making progress. Like, so that's, that's a huge thing for a lot of people. Um, other big thing is your bike check. When you leave transition to go to the swim start, just do one last little quick check of the bike um i usually put my bike in the small chain ring mainly because 
uh, it allows me to like get my legs kind of opened up, like getting like on the really first part of the bike. And it, I don't, I don't stay in it very long, but just get the legs lo loosened up on a higher cadence spin. Um, but if you use, if you're doing a race with wheel racks, um, and you have your b bike in the big chain ring, that rear derailleur hanging down farther because the chain tension's higher can actually catch on that. Uh, it can catch on the rack. So I just do it for just in case to help get, the, yeah, the to help get that the derailleur way. up out of the way of the wheel rack. Um, but also you check, you know, just check your tires real quick because you're in your warm up. You could have hit a, you know, hit something that, you know, started a slow leak or whatever, check them and just make sure your bike is in place before you head out. Cause the worst thing is coming in from T1 and realizing either you have a flat or your bike is, has some sort of a mechanical problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and know in, in line with that gear choice thing, know what the uh, terrain is going to be like as soon as you leave. So yep. like Memphis in May, you start up a hill. Yep. So, you know, maybe you are in your big ring in the front. And if you'd been doing your warm up ride and you shift into that big gear as you're going down that little hill, not even realizing it. And now you're starting in a 5312, you, <laughs> it's not going to be good trying to get up that hill. Yeah. You're going to waste a lot of time. Um, in fact, I've seen people fall over in transition yeah, because they are in this absolutely. huge gear and they go to take that first pedal stroke and don't go anywhere because the gear's too big and yep. <laughs> just flop. Yeah. So gear choice is yeah, huge. Yeah, gear choice in, uh, in, in the rack. Um, the last big thing is, is really just practicing. It's not, not really a tip. It's more of like, you got to do it. Like mm -hmm. you, you're not going to get fast at transitions doing it on race day alone mm -hmm. because there's so much like mental clutter that happens when you're in a race that you're just not going to like be able to focus on it so if you just make it second nature by practicing it over and over it'll just be like a well-oiled machine and you'll just get in and out and it's not a source of uh, another source of stress or anxiety mm -hmm. uh, and it probably will help your overall performance because your stress you know your stress levels are lower so just practice, 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 practice. Definitely. One thing I wanted to go back to real quick, has there ever been a race where where you're dismounting the surface has been in a condition where you don't want to dismount without some sort of coverage for your foot protection? Uh, so have you ever chosen to leave shoes on because either there's gravel or rocks or... Not really. Just tough it up. Normally they... It? Normally, a race will like sweep the dismount area pretty well. Um, there has been some transition areas where after you dismount and you run in, you're like stepping on gravel, barefoot, and all that kind of stuff, and it's not real comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but normally, they they're they're pretty pretty good. I mean, there's been in the there's been years where like one year at Memphis in May when it just flooded, like absolutely monsooned. Um, and the transition area was just like a marsh. So a lot of people were like carrying everything, like including their bike, like no. carrying everything out of transition and putting it on outside once they got onto the pavement. Um, but I think that year too, I, I even dismounted without shoes and just slopped through the mud. I mean, I had muddy feet, but they were going to get muddy anyway. They were going to get muddy anyways. <laughs> yeah. And actually I ran through a few puddles on the way out and cleaned, cleaned, cleaned everything out. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, rare, rarely do you want to, you know, obviously 
scope out the dismount area. Mm-hmm. And if it's dangerous, you know, you can make that choice for yourself, but I still think it's faster. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, I already talked about, you know, just a few more bonus tips here. I already talked about direction, racking your bike in a specific direction. If you have a choice, um, running with the, the seat in your hand, that practice huge. that one. Yep. Um, like flying dismount, we already talked about that and crossing the leg in front, uh, making sure that you let go of the brakes when you're stepping down. The last little thing I want to talk about is because I get asked about it a lot is why don't you put your uh, shoes on the bike when you're uh, in T1? Um, the reason I don't put my shoes on the bike anymore because you used to i did it first um because that's what the pros were doing so it's not like you haven't tried both ways i have tried both yeah mm-hmm. a lot actually um the the problem always was that when i would get out of transition and even though i was really good at mounting a bike you know i race cyclocross and all that stuff um i could never get my i could never get the shoes opened wide enough to where i could just hit my foot right in that shoe like you know easy peasy or even like you know once you're you step on the top of one and those little rubber bands break <clears throat> a lot of times you're you're still having to like wait for the other one to do this little stupid swingy thing mm-hmm. and then you can put your other foot on top and you'll start to pedal for a little bit and then you stop pedaling to put the one on and then you pedal for a little bit and then you stop and you're not really putting out a lot of effort uh so you're kind of wasting the first part of your your bike leg and Sometimes even like I'd go and jump in and try to hit. And then like when the shoe would come around, it like hit the ground and start this like death spiral thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just never had really good luck with it. Um, and I practiced it a lot. But I can I can put my shoes on in transition and run fine in my bike shoes out of transition. And then when I mount the bike, leg goes over contacts the pedal and then within a half a pedal stroke i'm producing power and i'm off um you know the pros especially draft legal they do it because like putting their shoes on in transition can mean them missing a a group Mm -hmm. but they also can like get into the group with their feet on top of the shoes and coast and like not work find an opportunity find the draft Mm -hmm. and yeah and and put the shoes on so yeah it does make sense for them uh but I would say personally, having tried it a lot, um, it doesn't necessarily make sense for the for the average, even upper end amateur. Like, I, I really think if you practice the mount, you can put the. I mean, there's one strap on those shoes. It's it's pop pop. You're gone. Uh, you're running with it, and then you produce. You're producing speed and force so much sooner mm-hmm. on the bike and getting into a flow much right. quicker. Yeah, yeah. Legs opened up faster. You know. Uh, you know, I find like when you jump on the bike and that, and like, if you don't hit it perfectly, um, a lot of times you're going from a run to jumping on the bike and doing nothing. That's where your heart rate spikes. And then, uh, then you kind of like gradually get it and then you stop. So your heart rate's up again. So you have this like big, like heart rate roller coaster going, trying to get your shoes in, uh, or your feet in your shoes. Whereas I could just go mount the bike and I'm off mm-hmm. and I'm going from a run to a steady hard effort and it's similar effort levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my tip. You could argue with me all you want if you want to, you know, 
swear it's faster. It let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's test it. Race it out. Yeah, let's <laughs> test it. But uh, if you practice that mount, you know the flying mount, and you can do it and hit the pedal. No way. It's I'm gonna I'll put my money on shoes in T1 any day to to first mile. Yeah, let's do it. I like it. Uh, just going back to the, for, for when you mentioned, for those that are wanting to do bikes on, you mentioned the rubber band that may be confusing to a yeah, beginner so, that's never yeah. done this before. What so a lot of mean? times there's like in the back of the shoe, there's like a, a, a little loop and you'll put a little rubber band, like a little like hair rubber band or whatever. Some people use like the braces ones or whatever. Uh, and you'll wrap basically one around like the front derailleur little, uh, the extra cable that sticks out, you can just wrap it around there and it holds the shoe in place. Or, you know, some people will, will launch a rubber band all the way back to their skewer uh, to try to keep the the uh, shoes level um, so that when they jump on the bike, they can just put their feet straight down either in or on top of the shoes and start pedaling with their feet just like they would be if they were dismounting the bike. But again, once you put your feet down on those shoes, you collapse the shoe. Mm-hmm. And so when you have, when you want to get the foot in, you have to now have one foot down. You got to wait for that shoe to stop swinging and then, you know, wiggle your foot into that collapsed shoe, pull it on, strap it down and then pedal some and start over the other side. Mm -hmm. I can put my shoes on in T1 in two and a half seconds and not have to like all the time I would waste fumble sitting there, of, fumble with shoe on left and right shoe. Riding with one hand, trying to strap. Right. It's just not, it's looking not worth down, it. Looking down, not looking up the road. Yeah. Just from a safety standpoint. It's not worth it. All right. Argue with me. Dare you. Do it. <laughs> Do it to it. <laughs> uh, is that all of it? That's it, man. I tried to Bam. keep it uh, pretty to the point. I could probably go on and on, like but. Uh, I, I think if people have questions after, just shoot them to us. So there you have it. We appreciate you guys hanging out, listening, watching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Stitch stayed quiet the whole time. Big the dog did not Stitch. lose it. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Stitch. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you guys next time. Adios. Peace.